podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters of spooky Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it's time to talk about another Wildcat victory. Whew. I tell you what, guys, I I have had a lot of fun with the exception of the two-lane game. It's hard to think that the season now, what, the regular season, and, you know, we're going to have at least one postseason game. But the regular season is 42% over. I absolutely hate how fast college football goes away. But it is the, it's the greatest sport in the world. It is the greatest sport in the world. Uh, you know, it's, it's second to none. It's second to none. And I, I am so happy we get to talk about a, another win. It was another sellout at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. It was a great atmosphere uh, for an 11 a.m. game. I, I know some folks were a little worried, um, a little worried, uh, you know, about 10, 15 minutes till kickoff. It was still really filling in. But by the time it kicked off, I mean, it was a full house. I I sat up in the East Club uh, this past week, and I, I know there are a couple folks who are also up there that uh, we wanted to hang out with. Um, I'm not going to tell this story. Uh, I I twisted my ankle very badly, very badly uh, walking into the stadium. So once I gutted it up, it, it quite frankly was a gritty performance for me to walk. You know, the the mile after I uh, thought I broke my ankle because I'm a clumsy, stupid person. Uh, I once I got to my seat up there, I, I was not moving, and it actually it was just a stroke of good luck that. Uh, co-founder of the show Grant uh, actually drove right past me as I started my trek back to my car, and he saved he saved the day. He saved the day, that's for sure, uh, and drove me back to my car. But uh, I was sitting there in the East Club, and I tell you what, when big plays happen, it starts to shake a little bit. It starts to shake a little bit. The students were getting a little rowdy. Westside was getting a little rowdy. Um, especially back when we were up 13 to nothing. And again, we'll talk about the entire game. Back when it was 13 to nothing, we were kind of out for blood there a little bit. We got that interception. It was before the Deuce Vaughn fumble and uh, things started to go downhill in the uh, in the second quarter there. But, I mean, the place was shaking a little bit. It was loud a little bit. I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I, I don't. We have... Three weeks, which include two away games and a bye week. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But can you imagine what likely would be a top 15 matchup with Oklahoma State and Bill Snyder Family Stadium here at the end of October? I mean, we don't get to go back to Bill Snyder Family Stadium until the end of October. And uh, that's going to be a long wait, but man... A best case and we're fans, we can do this. But a best case scenario, you know, like a number twelve K State versus like a number five Oklahoma State here in a couple weeks. Oklahoma State has a, a few tricky games. We have again two away games at Iowa State, which we'll talk about a, a ton later this week, uh, and then what seems to be an infinitely saltier Texas Tech team or, or TCU team, excuse me. Texas Christian University, uh, infinitely saltier TCU team than I thought we were going to face. So, yeah, a, a lot of stuff has to go right. But, I mean, we're not on the team. We can daydream a little bit. I think that's going to be big. But we have a massive game on Saturday before the bye week and then a showdown in Fort Worth uh, to tick off, check off, whatever terminology you want to use before then. 
Before we really get back into the game, we've teamed up with Charlie Hustle once again to bring Wildcat fans the freshest game day gear around. Whether you're living it up with friends or catching a game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, Charlie Hustle has the best K-State gear for you and your squad. Shop at charliehustle.com or visit their KC store on the Country Club Plaza. Also, they have selections at retailers throughout Manhattan, so shop Charlie Hustle and get some new K-State gear in your closet today. And again, hey, I've said it before. They got your officially licensed K-State stuff on Saturday. They got a nice little uh, Arrowhead collection for your Sunday. Some great KC Landmark stuff. It's an awesome local Kansas City company. And we are back with Charlie Hustle for the remainder of the year. All right. Let's get into the game because talked a little bit about the atmosphere. But I tell you what, it it, it wasn't the third quarter this time. It, It was not the third quarter. It was... The second quarter. So for a game that very well could have been an absolute kind of blowout situation, we, we weren't able to do that. That's a little frustrating. Yes, I, I, I'm not going to say it wasn't. It, it was a little frustrating. Um, because again, I, if you go back and look at the game drive, before things started Kind of hitting the fan. You know, you you get that two-play touchdown. You get the ball back. You get back. How how close did we end up getting it? We we got it on to the Texas Tech 5 before some sacks and penalties and things weren't going great. I mean, you were knocking on the doorstep. And then you do it a second time. You get to the Texas Tech 8. You're not able to punch it in. And you're only up 13 to nothing. And at that point, you're thinking to yourself, eh, you know, it's still in the first quarter. You still have a long way to go. Then you get the interception. And I'm thinking, okay, punch this in. It's still, you know, what? Just into the second quarter when you get it? A couple plays into the second quarter? And you're thinking, all right, great field position. Let's go get it. Deuce Vaughn fumble. We think he's hurt. Air's kind of out of the stadium. And this is when I kind of start to panic. Now, we get the ball back a few plays later, uh, getting our own fumble. Uh, we we go three and out. I, I, from, from the Deuce Vaughn fumble, we end the half with three three and outs. In that same time frame, Texas Tech gets a touchdown. We punt the ball with 21 seconds left. 21 seconds left, and Texas Tech is able to get a field goal to bring the game within 10 to 13. I like Chris Kleiman's philosophy. I'm starting to get on board with his philosophy of going for it, or not going, excuse me, not going for it, but taking the ball when you win the coin toss. I mean, every time we do it, we, we start off hot, but we saw how that can backfire because Texas Tech comes takes it from being a 13-point lead to only being down three. K-State up 13 to only being up three. In just a matter of seconds. And then Texas Tech gets the ball to start the game. Or start the second half. We So in this one singular game, we saw exactly the pros and the cons of the move. I think Chris Kleiman, seeing how the offense has started, basically, what, what, we've won the toss, I think, every game. I think we've won the toss every game. Maybe we didn't win it versus Oklahoma. I don't know. But we've started with the ball now three times out of the five games. And we jump out to early scores and a lot of early momentum each time we do that. But you go cold at the end of the second quarter, and basically the only time in the game where someone can go back-to-back possessions without, you know, an onside kick, which which we saw Texas Tech get later, the only time you can do that is if you defer. So we saw the good and the bad. I I would love to hear your guys' opinion. Please let me know what you think K-State should do. Uh, Again, uh, from that moment on, though, uh, you know, Texas Tech gets a field goal to tie the game. We trade touchdowns. 
And this is where I, I think the game completely flipped on its head. You know, they get the field goal, we get that touchdown, we give up a touchdown, then we have to punt. Texas Tech then goes 51 yards in just six plays. But luckily, due to some penalties for from Texas Tech, they miss a 42-yard field goal, and it's on. We get that touchdown, we stop them on fourth down, get a field goal, force a fumble, another touchdown. At that point, you're up 17, and it truly kind of does go into kill-off-the-game mode. And you win the game. Was it pretty all the way through? No. Is Texas Tech probably a little bit better than I thought they were? Probably. But I, I, I'm just over the moon with that game. Just over the moon. Absolutely over the moon. Total yards in the game. They outgained K-State 47 or 473 to 459. But this is where you really need to pay attention. Really need to pay attention. They had 48 pass attempts. They had 34 rush attempts. They played 82 plays. 82 plays, and they had 473. They were getting just over 5.5 yards per play. Is that great? No, it is not great. But K-State was averaging over 7.5 yards a play. So while, yes, you did get outgained, you have to dive in deeper. And I think this is where some folks look at the defense and think, oh, man, look at the yards, look at the points, all that type of stuff. If you look at the points per play, points per drive, yards per play statistics, the defense 100% did their job. Time of possession... They out-timed uh, us 32 to 28 minutes. Again, nothing big. This is the big one. K-State forces four turnovers, only turning over the ball the one time. Penalties, pretty uh, similar stuff. Tech, 5 for 40. K-State, 5 for 47. It's nothing too awful, nothing too crazy. This is where K-State, this is the worst thing that happened with the K-State offense. This did kind of look like Texas Tech. 4 of 13, or uh, looked like Tulane. 4 of 13 on third down. Texas Tech, 5 of 14 and 1 of 3 on fourth down. The 1 of 3 of fourth down was massive. That one was massive. Defense stepped up. Offense still leaving quite a bit to be desired on third down efficiency. But that's okay. That's okay. Let's let's get into talking about the offense. And that is sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. Guys, fall weather is finally here. It is time to go all in on the fall beers. You guys know how much I love their pumpkin batch. The best pump one of the best pumpkin beers, if not the best pumpkin beer I've had all year long. Absolutely delicious. Perfect for these evenings that are gonna, you know, get into the high fifties. You know, you're thinking about wearing a sweatshirt with some shorts, wearing a flannel around the house. Perfect beer. And they also have their own Oktoberfest Fest beer. Absolutely delicious. Friend of the pod called it maybe his favorite beer of all time. So get into Manhattan Brewing Company the next time you're in Manhattan. And every time you go into a liquor store here in the state of Kansas, if they don't have Manhattan Brewing Company, you find the general manager, you find whoever's responsible for craft beer, and you tell them, you tell them that they need to bring in Manhattan Brewing Company. All right, Adrian Martinez, I mean, he had a game. He had a game, but I think so much of the conversation, at least until uh, we started scoring in the third quarter, was going to center around what happened in the second quarter. I don't know if it was as simple as saying, oh, uh, conservative play calling. I don't know if, you know, kind of like my mood, if the air just got taken out of the stadium and probably the coaching booth and maybe the sidelines a little bit with the Deuce Vaughn fumble and, you know, injury scare. I'm not sure what it is, but 
that there was a lot of concern, at least from me, with what happened there in that second quarter. Another thing that concerns me a little bit, you go back and look at what we did in the red zone. You, what? You had to sell for field goals twice? Three times. Three times you had to settle for field goals. So that was a less than 50% rate, I believe. Now it was right at 50%. Right at 50% touchdown rate in the red zone. Now, the good part is you came away with points every red zone trip. But having to settle for field goals three out of those six trips, that's not nearly as fun. That is not nearly as fun. Can they figure it out? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they can figure it out. This is, I, and, and here's the other thing. I, I think when you follow K-State, when, when you follow your team, any sort of quote-unquote red zone woes is over-exaggerated. I'm going to try to figure out what the you know college football average is for touchdown rate once you get to the uh, red zone and try to figure out where K-State falls in that. But it, but it was the reason why that game became uncomfortable. It is the reason that game uh, wasn't just a full-on blowout boat race. Was the inability to punch it in. And the ones that really bug me are the ones that you you get in a goal-to-go situation. Those are the ones that truly bugged me. But I think we have now found that if we're running quarterback power down there, there's no reason why we, we, we shouldn't score. And let, let's just let's just honestly, let's just move on and talk specifically about the positions. And let's talk about Adrian Martinez. Because this guy followed up his performance versus Oklahoma, where everyone was like, oh, you know, can, can he do that again? Can he do that again? Now, passing the ball left a little bit to be desired on, on a few plays. 12 of 19. Now, there were a couple pretty bad drops that could have changed the outcome. Phillip Brooks had, well, hell, even on Phillip Brooks's touchdown, because he, he was 12 of 19 for 116 yards, one touchdown. Phillip Brooks, even on the touchdown that he grabbed, he bobbled it, and he wasn't able to uh, get it in, uh, get it on that first catch. He, he came down with it, circus catch. He was able to get in the end zone. Good for him. But, you know, Phillip Brooks had a really bad drop. Ben Sennett gave up on a fly route that if he keeps running that route, he pulls that in, and that's probably another 35, 40-yard gain. That might be a little much. Another 25, 30-yard gain. So the passing could have been better if his targets, if his wide receivers and Ben Sennett, I'll say Phillip Brooks and Ben Sennett, were able to pull in a couple of those Plays that, that you would want them to, that you'd expect them to. But when he runs like that, and again, some of these runs were not designed. Some of them were him pulling it down and going for it. But 12 carries, 171 yards, and three touchdowns. He had a, a very nice run of 69 yards. This guy has found... You know, whatever the the magic serum is, he's found the secret sauce, whatever sort of analogy, any sort of joke you want to throw out there, Adrian Martinez has found it. Now, I don't know what was said to kind of unlock this whole running thing, because I, I think we all saw in those first three games, he would run the ball some, he would run the ball some, but I, I think he was very convinced to stay in the pocket to try to find something, and then he ended up having to throw it away more often than we'd like. Uh, when we saw him run the ball, he was running maybe a little timid, a little uh, worried. He was always trying to find the uh, you know boundary. He was trying to get out of bounds. He was trying to slide. Something has been unlocked because this guy, when he sees a seam, I mean, it's like 25 yards automatic. This guy is fast. This guy has vision. This is, you know, the... You know, 
caricature of you know the the running quarterback you know when he's running the ball and he throws the ball better than I think folks want to give him credit for but we haven't seen an electric home run hitter of a running quarterback like this since Daniel Sams we haven't seen someone who can run the ball like this at at quarterback who has been given the reins because Daniel Sams was never given the reins and that's you know a conversation for another podcast since L. Roberson. This guy is a true home run hitter every time he pulls the ball down to run. And now, maybe it was we didn't want to do that. Maybe because the whole idea was, okay, he's going to come to K-State. He isn't going to be asked to be the running back. He's going to be asked to distribute the ball, all this type of stuff. And maybe Colin Klein and Chris Klein got in their own head with that as well. But when you have that sort of weapon, when you have that sort of a home run threat at quarterback anytime he tucks and runs the ball, you'd be stupid not to use him like that. Now, I'm not saying use him as a battering ram and, you know, injure him or anything like that. You know, what what used to happen with the Snyder quarterbacks. No, be smart about it. But make sure he knows he has the full freedom to go out and and make the big play with his legs if his reads aren't there early on. And the other great part about Adrian Martinez, even when he is this threat to take off and run, he knows when and when not to do it because he has now become kind of that master of stepping up in the pocket, getting away from defenders, and then if he doesn't think he can pick it up with his feet, running parallel to the line of scrimmage and waiting for one of his wide receivers to get open so he can throw it. This is, again, the Adrian Martinez that we all wanted to see. And now getting back-to-back games from him like this. I mean, folks, this is exactly why you brought in Adrian Martinez. Now, can he have a third straight game like this versus Iowa State? I don't know. We'll see. But the, but the kid is electric, and that is exactly why you bring him in. Still hasn't turned the ball over. He did fumble the ball. He did lose the ball, but we got back on top of it. So I'm, I'm not too worried about that. But the guy, the guy's electric. He's just a level of a of a you know a playmaker that you don't see a lot of in college football. And I'm I'm just pumped that he's a Wildcat. I am pumped that he's a Wildcat. Let's move on to running back. And I mean it's Deuce Vaughn. We saw DJ Giddens come in for a couple plays. Uh, you know, when Deuce was gassed after a couple of his big long runs. He did not register any stats. But Deuce Vaughn is that guy. Deuce Vaughn is that guy. I only wish he could have gotten a touchdown. Because, you know, he deserved it. But he sets his single game record, his own personal high with 170 yards. He also had a very nice 69-yard run. He also had an 11-yard reception on a big third down. He caught him from his from the, his knees. He like basically went down to his knees, caught the ball. This guy does it all. This guy does it all. He's blowing out rest of the conference when it comes to rushing yards. No, he he's not leading the, you know, the the conference and rushing touchdowns or anything like that? No, he's not. That that was always going to happen when you brought in a guy like Adrian Martinez and he started feeling comfortable running the ball. But when when you have a lethal combination of these two, I think I truly think the sky is the limit. Texas Tech came into this. Texas Tech came into the season. Being pretty damn good against the rushing attack. And what did we do? 343 yards on 39 attempts. 
Guys, that's absolutely wild. That includes the three sacks and the kneel downs at the end of the game. <laughs> that's absolutely wild. 39 rushing into 8.8 yards per attempt. Shout out to Philip Brooks who had six yards as well. But Deuce Vaughn, 7.4 yards a carry. Adrian Martinez, 14.3 yards per carry. Both of them over 170 yards. How scared is the rest of the Big 12? And I wouldn't give that up at all. I think there's going to be a question in the Q&A episode about trading off some of Adrian Martinez's rushing yards for better passing now. I don't think I'd trade that off. Because I don't think we have seen how much more... I mean, hell, I, I, I was about to say, we haven't even seen how much that's going to open things up for Deuce Vaughn, but he just had his career high in rushing yards. We just, we, I, 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 don't, I, I don't think we... Again, I, I think we can still see a whole nother level of what this rushing attack by Adrian Martinez means for Deuce Vaughn's game. So I I am excited. Deuce Vaughn, one of the all-time greats. His name is going to be up on the Ring of Honor, you know, 10 years from now. Cherish every game you get with Deuce Vaughn. Because I will say this, 23 carries plus a reception. Plus, do you see the way this kid blocks on, on passing downs? Deuce Vaughn is squaring up linebackers, squaring up safeties who are blitzing on pass plays. And he's not doing that stupid dive at their feet, try to trip them up, which is only going to hurt himself. But he is bodying them up at 5'5", like 160 or whatever he is. And taking them head on. And again, that, that is exactly why... I, I think there is no chance he comes back next year. So cherish the rest of the season with Deuce Vaughn. The cuts he's able to make, every time he gets in space, he's making a top sports center top ten play, just making people look silly. Deuce Vaughn is an all American. He's going to be all Big Twelve. This guy is the real deal. And there are some folks in college football. Who if they had Deuce Vaughn's talent. That they wouldn't be trying to make those blocks. You know we, we, we probably actually. There, there are some folks that wouldn't even be. They, they'd be opting out halfway through the season. And just starting to get ready for the NFL. There are 100% people like that in college football. And Deuce Vaughn's not that guy. Deuce Vaughn is putting in the effort. He is doing these small things that I, I I believe are inspiring this entire team to take things to the next level. I can't imagine a better college football player and teammate than Deuce Vaughn. So just cherish what we get from him. We'll move into the tight ends, fullbacks, and wide receivers. Um... I, I talked about, you know, there, there was a pretty bad on a, I believe it was a third down play, Philip Brooks with a drop, Ben Sennett not running through that fly route, um, and, and then there there were a few times, and again, it all worked out, it all worked out that, that we were unable to get open downfield, and Adrian Martinez just decided to tuck it and run. And I, I think the wide I think we now know what the wide receiver group is. I think we know what this group and, I, and I'm I'm putting in the tight ends and fullbacks as well. We also are seeing very few actual snaps with fullbacks in there. One of them was that Deuce Vaughn play that we went under center and uh, we had that massive run. It was Ben Sennett, and it was fine. Um, there weren't any glaring blocking mistakes by Ben Sennett. He did also get another grab for six yards. Um, but you need you need the kid to, if we're going to run some of these routes to him, you really need to drill stuff home uh, and do whatever you can to kind of work on identifying the ball. Because, again, 
Um, one of the plays that really just stuck out to me, and again, it was a three and out. Um, ben Sennett had his guy beat. Adrian had a good ball. He just kind of gave up on the route and tried to make some sort of circus one-handed catch when if he just keeps running, it drops right in there. Um, but all in all, everything's fine. Malik Knowles, only one catch for 13 yards, but again, it was a big one. Cade Warner is the security blanket. Three receptions for 47 yards. Phillip Brooks did have five catches for 36 yards, including the passing uh, touchdown, the receiving touchdown that we did have. The passing game, it was 6.1 yards per attempt. Again, you would like it to be better. You'd like it to be better. But when you have the the level of talent wide receiver, and again, the, the way this offense is created, when you have a guy like Deuce Vaughn, and when you have a guy who can get it done with his legs, like Adrian Martinez, you don't need to have the best core of wide receivers in the conference. Now, it's at the bottom. You know, it, it's towards the bottom, um, if not the worst. And, and that is a little frustrating. That does uh, stop this from being a possible, truly elite offense. But they're good enough and they're bought into the system where. When, when you're downfield, they know the job is, hey, once you see them break the line of scrimmage, you have to get blocks. You have guys who are willing to block and lay it out there in the running game. Now, is RJ Garcia, you know, is, uh, you know, the transfer Jackson, are, are those two guys infinitely better pass catching options? We don't know. We don't see them. Uh, so, so I, I don't know if there is a better in-house option, but I'll say this. There is a 100% chance Adrian Martinez is gone next season. He doesn't have any eligibility left. And I think there is a 95% chance Deuce Vaughn is gone next season. So while I'm not worried about it for this season, I'm not worried about the wide receivers for this season. I'm not. And they made some plays when they were asked to. And they're getting pretty darn good looking back to Adrian and trying to follow his direction when they're doing scramble drill. And that's going to be some big plays at the back half of this season. At the mid midway point and back into the season, that is going to be massive and that is going to create some big time plays. Malik Knowles is going to be on the same page with Adrian Martinez on one of these scramble drills and it's going to result in like a 50-yard touchdown. But it does worry you for life after Deuce Vaughn, life after Adrian Martinez. Now, we'll start worrying about that in March, April, May, June, July. We'll worry about that next Blitz month. But it is something that's in the back of my mind. Now, let's get to the offensive line. Let's let's finish. Let's finish. Uh, you know the offense and talking about the offensive line first. I mean, we got to give some praise to D- Dawson Delforge again having to come in. Um, Cooper Beebe went out to tackle. KT Lev came out of the game. It sounds like he got poked in the eye real hard, uh, was having trouble with his vision. Uh, sounds like he's going to be on antibiotics. It sounds like he's going to be back next week. So it's not a long-term worry. And I'm maybe I'm 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 a little bit more optimistic based on some stuff that I heard Saturday after the game from some folks uh, about Andrew Line Gang coming back this season. But it was a gritty performance because again things are getting pretty skinny on the offensive line now in the second quarter and when we were in some of those goal to go situations when we had to settle for some field goals. Um, the offensive line had a real frustrating run of play. They did. I, I, I mean, in the first quarter, they had some penalties. They gave up some sacks. I think there was some miscommunication with a few of the blitzes and the stunts that led to some negative plays. And I think playing offensive line in college football and probably in all of sports, I think in all of sports, it is one of the most thankless positions you can play when it comes to sports, any sport. 
men, women, from peewees down to professional sports. I think offensive line is one of the most thankless jobs. I think it's probably one of the hardest jobs. Now, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, get in an argument of like, oh, how hard is it to hit a fastball versus picking up a, like that, that's not necessarily what I'm talking about, but you have to be more of a team and more in tune with your teammates than in any other sport, especially once you start getting to a higher level of football. Because once you're there, you're having to communicate. You're having to keep your eye up. You're having to have nonverbal communication. Basically, be passing stuff on, to, you know, mind control. Just talking with your mind to the other four guys on the offensive line to be picking up these stunts, picking up these blitzes, keeping your eyes up, audibling your protection. I understand how hard of a job that is, but there were a pretty good stretch of time, you know. Both trips, both goal-to-goal situations in the first quarter, basically the entire second quarter, that the offensive line was hurting a little bit. Now, I, I think they woke up and they, they started finding their uh, stride with that big, long Deuce Vaughn run. You know, Cooper Beebe made a big-time block. And I think from that moment on, they started finding themselves a little bit. Is it worrisome that they had such a long stretch where it was rough play? Yeah, probably. Probably. But I think that, and you know, the, the conversation surrounding the team, you know, Chris Kleiman going into halftime and him talking in postgame, you, you talk to a few of the players, you see some of the players, uh, you know, postgame comments. It sounds like Chris Kleiman ripped into them. And it, it seemed to work because once you get that big run by Deuce Vaughn, and then to end up end the game, I mean, they're pretty damn good. They, they figured it out. I was proud of them towards the end of it. Now, what, what needs to happen to see a sustained beginning-to-end game like that? I don't know. We saw it versus Oklahoma. I thought for the most part, I mean, obviously there are plays here and there. And again, I talked about how tough it is to play high-level offensive line. There's going to be some penalties. There's going to be some missed blocks. There's going to be some miscommunication, and you're going to miss assignments. That's going to happen. There's never going to be a game where they have a full-fledged beginning-to-end perfect game. No, it's not going to happen. But to beat Iowa State, because Iowa State has a salty defense, I think you are going to need to see the offensive line play step up just a little bit. Because I, I think that, you know, and we'll talk about this midweek, I, I, I think this is a team where if, if you're able to get up to 24, 27 points pretty quickly, I think the defense is going to be able to do the job. So a lot of that is going to come down to the offensive line because as we talked about so much at the top of this offensive you know, side of the ball review, when, when you have Adrian, when you have Deuce playing like that, whew, guys... I mean, any play can be a home run. You ju- you really just need the offensive line to handle that attack up front and then make something happen. So we'll see what happens. Again, it sounds like KT will hopefully be back starting. Hopefully, Andrew Line Gang will be back sooner than later to give you again uh, two guys, you know, in the backup with you know Line Gang and Del- Dawson Delforge. Um, and I'll say this, uh, you know, I, I understand that the offensive line wants, uh, and Connor Riley, uh, Chris Kleiman, they want Cooper Beebe to be playing left guard. I, I enjoyed seeing him back at tackle. I did. I enjoyed seeing him back at tackle. Let's get to the defensive side of the ball. Let's talk defense. Because, again, I think a lot of folks are going to look at you know, the stats, they're going to look at everything and be like, oh man, giving up 28 points. Oh man, giving up, what was it? You know, 470 yards. I mean, they had what? 7.5 yards per attempt passing the ball. 3.4, 3.4 yards per rush. Guys, I understand it. Uh, but when you look at the amount of possessions, if you look at points per possession, 
If you look at yards per per, per, per ugh, yards per play, points per play, all that type of stuff. Go go to KSU underscore fan on football or on, on Twitter and look at his advanced stats. Because again, that shows the true level of the game. Do not be confused. Do not get worried when you're trying to look just at the box score. Because especially when you're talking about defense, especially when you want to talk about yardage, the amount of plays someone runs, you have to account for all that. Because also keep in mind, they basically had couple they stole a couple extra possessions from us being able to end the second half with the ball and get that onside kick and then here's the other thing we went into prevent mode trying to force them to burn clock when we went up 17 in the fourth quarter so again that's another eight points that's another you know 75 yards that we kind of gave away because we were just in get out of the game, end the game, burn some clock mode. So I thought it was another great performance by the defense. We turned them over a bunch. We had some electric plays, including six sacks, ten tackles for a loss, three pass breakups, another extra four quarterback hurries, I mean, it's, it was a it was fun watching this defense play. It was a lot of fun. Let's talk about the defensive line though, because Felix and Udike Uzama, there is just something about playing Texas Tech for him. He gets six uh, total tackles, three of which are sacks. Three of which are sacks, and I think at least one of them, if not two of them. Were forced fumbles as well. I it is wild to see what he is able to do. This guy has to be one of, if not the most dominating defensive linemen in college football once again. And he's another guy that again, I don't know if he gets up on the ring of honor. You know, I think he, he's gonna have to get some sort of Big 12, you know, honor. I don't think first-team all-conference is going to do it. I, You know, he, he probably needs to get up first-team all-American. But this guy, with the amount of sacks he gets, with the amount of forced fumbles he gets, he is a one-man wrecking crew. One-man wrecking crew. No one can block him, and he's being held like crazy. Being held like crazy. It is wild. Like, again, I, I know the whole idea is, oh, you could call a holding on every single play. You can call a hold on every single play, blah, 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 blah. You can. But he is legitimately being held, and, and he's just saying, get off me, and getting to the quarterback. And with as quick as Texas Tech gets the ball out of their hands, the fact that he was able to get three, and we'll talk about Khalid Duke here in a second, the fact that they were able to do that, Absolutely amazing. Eli Huggins had another good game. Uh, he got banged up a little bit. It sounds like he's going to be okay. He had two tackles. Nate Matlack was out there. He registered a quarterback hurry. He recovered one of the fumbles. Hence re- recovered one of the fumbles. You know, Brandon Mock got two tackles. All in all, it was a very solid game. Jalen Pickle was in there. He, he was being disruptive. He got a tackle. Almost got his hands on a couple of pass deflections. But I love this defensive line. I love this defensive line so much. They're so fun to watch. This, this defense is super fun to watch. But I tell you what, there, there's nothing quite like a dominating defensive line. And what made yesterday even better, and we'll transition to linebackers, was Felix Inudike Uzama's three sacks, one forced fumble. But you have the return of Khalid Duke. He had eight tackles. He was second on the team in tackles, but he had three sacks. When you have Khalid cooking like that, when you have... Felix cooking like that, 
that has to just be so scary for an offense. Now, I think we are capable. I think we have other guys who can get to the quarterback. I mean, we've seen Nate do it. We've seen Jalen do it. We've seen Mott do it. We've seen guys do it. But when you know, hey, there are these two guys and there's nothing we can do to stop them, it has to just be a scary proposition for a defense. Khalid Duke absolutely flying around out there. Now, I'll say this. I In Texas Tech, they, they did a good job of when they were in rhythm, not substituting. So th- there were times where I think Khalid Duke was caught having to play out in the slot, having to play pass coverage a little more than we'd like him to. That's a little rough for him. Uh, but the guy was feeling himself. Daniel Green also had five tackles. He broke up a pass. Austin Moore, the machine. The machine. He gets an interception. He gets a tackle for a loss. He was flying around out there. He had a QB hurry. He had a pass deflection. Austin Moore had an absolute great game. Again, if it wasn't for Khalid Duke and Felix, I mean, the, the guy would, would probably be getting a lot of, you know, helmet sticker conversations. We saw Gavin Forster, I think, more than we've seen quite a bit. He had two tackles. Desmond Purnell out there, he got two tackles. I thought that, you know, solid game. Nick Allen, two tackles, got a QB hurry. He got back there. Solid game from the linebackers. Now let's get to the secondary. Kobe Savage, absolutely talk about a savage. Got caught on camera, blowing kisses, winking at a Texas Tech cheerleader, and she was absolutely loving it. I'm sure there were some DMs exchanged between those two, but he led the team with nine tackles. He had a tackle for a loss. He was all over the place. Julius Brents gets a pick. Playing a big time game. He had four tackles. He had one tackle for a loss. Jacob Parrish got out there a little bit. Drake Cheatham followed up what was the best game so far in his K-State career. He got five tackles. TJ Smith got out there quite a bit. Two tackles. All in all, very solid game. Very solid from the secondary. Josh Hayes, seven tackles, one tackle for a loss. Again, Josh Hayes, Kobe Savage, absolute amazing pickup. Same with Drake Cheatham. Again, it sucks that you're losing two out of those three safeties. Kobe Savage back next year. But you might need to go find another uh, safety or two because this staff has a knack of finding some safeties in the portal. They have a knack. But now I I really want to talk about Echo Boydo. Because I'll say this. Echo Boydo, he got called for a PI that got picked up because he got mossed. And the guy drug him along for an extra 10, 15 yards. It, It was not a great play for Echo. But what does he do on one of the biggest plays of the game? Texas Tech going for it on, on fourth down. And this was the play that ultimately, I think, swung momentum to k State side, and we kept it until the end of the game. Echo Boydo makes an amazing play, breaking up the pass and getting the ball back to K-State. It's said so many times, it, it feels like it should be a cliche, but it isn't. Secondary players, elite secondary players need to have a short memory. And that is what Echo Boydo did. Yeah, it was, it, it was a bad look. It was a bad look. But what did he do? He came back a couple possessions later and made maybe what was the play of the game. That ultimately was the pendulum swing back to K-State. So I want to give a massive shout out to Echo Boydo for that. And I want to give a massive shout out to the K-State defense as a whole. To go along with those six sacks, they had four more quarterback hurries. They had four pass breakups, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, two interceptions, six sacks, ten tackles for a loss. 
I think the mob is back. I think Joe Klanderman is... Well, I, I don't, he's never gone anywhere. Joe Klanderman's the man. But I think this defensive staff really has this team rolling. And I'm looking forward to what they do every Saturday from here on out. So shout out to the defense. Throw up the mob hand signal. Everywhere you go, throw them up. Interlock the pinkies. I'm doing it right now, but this is an audio-visual... Or this is an audio, not a visual mean. But you interlock those pinkies. You throw it up above your head and you dance around. And also this defense has swag. This defense has some swag. Let's talk special teams real quick. Not a lot in the return game. Uh, you know, Philip Brooks had one return for nine yards. I thought he was going to bust it. And same with same with Malik Knowles. Anytime these dudes get at least one block, I'm like, oh, this is, this is to the crib. Sit down, start checking my phone. This is to the crib. They, they were grabbed, but I, I thought that they uh, did a good job. Ty Zentner, uh, I, I thought he did a good job punting. Had two inside uh, the 20. He had some funky uh, spin on. He had one bad punt. There was, there was one punt where I think we only netted 20 yards. That was bad. Uh, but his other four were very good. Um, I think he's a very talented punter. Didn't like that kick out of bounds. I'm actually not convinced it went out of bounds. Uh, but big night kicking off. But let's go to Chris Tennant. I wailed on the kid earlier in the season. And he's gone, you know, three straight games being perfect. Uh, granted, only had, what, the extra point in one field goal versus Tulane. Uh, but made some big-time kicks versus Oklahoma. And then follows it up. 4-4 four, four extra point. 3-3 three three from field goal. Granted, they were all shorter. His long was 32. But that was kind of the issue, right? And especially when you... Look across college football. You see some of the kicks that folks are missing. Chip shots, game on the line, clutch moments. Chris Tennant has been perfect for three straight weeks. I'm looking forward to seeing what he has rest of the season. All right, let's grade the keys to V. And before we do, let's get a, give a shout-out to our friends at the 1012 Network. Yeah, 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 Andy's going to be talking about KU getting college game day, but the flagship show of the network, the 1012 Pod, is going to be a fun one to listen to as they gush about Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. And it's the best Big 12 podcast in all the podcast land. If you're not listening to the 1012 Network, the 1012 Pod, don't be my friend. It's a great show, so check them out this Monday. They have three shows a week. Talking football, talking basketball, they talk all offseason long. And check out all the other great shows in the 1012 network. The first one from Jason. Win fourth down, Texas Tech's gonna go for it. They only a, a lot. They only went for it three times. But the two stops we got were absolutely massive. Um, so, you know, going what, two of three? When Texas Tech uh, picked up a lot of I mean, I'm giving that an A. Massive moments in the game. Two of three, I'm giving it an A. The second one for the Boneheads was keep Adrian Martinez in rhythm from Joel. I'm also going to give it an A. Now, it wasn't a great passing performance, but he found his groove running the ball once again, found his confidence. I think it counts as staying in rhythm. My two were get a non-offensive score. Now, I'm giving this a C-, minus, so I'm giving it a passing grade. We didn't score, but here's why I'm going to do that. We did get four takeaways. We did get four takeaways, so while that is not a score, we did take the ball away. So every game where we haven't, like, so we didn't do it in 2020 or 2014, but when we had them in 2014, we took the ball away four times. So I'm going to give them a C-, minus, mainly because... I'm just making up grades, and I don't want to give them an F. But, I mean, we took the ball away four times. It was awesome. They played great. So it should be an F because it was basically a pass-fail key, but it doesn't matter. The other one was attack the numbers on offense. I think they did a great job of this in the running game. They were able to dial up an audible into power and some stretch veers in some of these big plays when they had the numbers advantage in the box. Now, they weren't able to take advantage of the numbers and audibling out 
and doing some of these swing passes, quick passing plays. They did a few of them, but they did a really good job in attacking the numbers and what Texas Tech gave you on defense uh, in the running game. So I'm going to give this a B plus. So there it is. All right, now it's time to give away the game balls. This is sponsored by Sports Drink. Keep an eye on Twitter. Maybe keep an eye on the description of this episode. There's going to be some fun announcements, some possible real fun giveaways, maybe a sponsored tailgate in the future if we hit some of the numbers that we want. Shout out to Sports Drink. Also, shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company, Charlie Hustle. We rock with these folks, and you should too. The Boneheads, their first game ball going to Adrian Martinez. That's a big no-duh. Adrian Martinez absolutely going off again back-to-back weeks where he gets the game ball from the Boneheads. The next one is going to go to, also from the Boneheads, they went with Felix Anudike Uzama. Felix absolutely going nuts. Forced fumble. Three sacks. Felix is back. And their swagger sticker was going to Kobe Savage. Again, how can you not go with Kobe Savage the way he was flirting with that Texas Tech cheerleader, blowing kisses? What an absolute great Nominee for the Swagger Sticker from the Boneheads. My game balls are going to go to Deuce Vaughn. Again, you have a guy who goes for 170 yards, a 69-yard run. The guy is elite. The guy will be up on the Ring of Honor. Cherish Deuce Vaughn every game you get to watch him play. For the defensive uh Game ball, you know, there's a few ways you could go, but I'm going to go, I am going to go with Khalid Duke. Three sacks, I mean, it's hard not to give him one of them. I absolutely loved the game he had. Again, it could have gone to Austin Moore, could have gone to Kobe Savage, could have gone to Josh Hayes, but I'm going with Khalid Duke. And with my swagger sticker, Man. I'm going with Julius Brintz. Julius Brintz, I saw him giving the thumbs down. I know that's all the secondary doing that, but Julius Brintz flexing on people, giving the thumbs down. He has some swagger out there. Again, maybe we should just double up and give Kobe Savage two swagger stickers, but uh, I, I'm going I'm going with Julius Brintz for the swagger sticker. He has a ton of swag. So we're going with Julius Brent. So the game balls and swagger stickers, we got Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. We have Khalid Duke and King Felix. Swagger stickers, we got Kobe Savage and Julius Brent. And then Chauncey Bosco, the wonder pup, he wanted to get in on the award game this year. So Chauncey Bosco's He's Got That Dog in Him award is going to Austin Moore for the type of game he had. The machine has that dog in him. And he is getting that award. We want to give a special honorable mention to Chris Tennant. Again, coming back big time. We'll give a special honorable mention award to Cooper Beebe. And the final special or honorable mention award is just going to go to Joe Klanderman. So that's all we got, folks. Whew. You guys will have uh, here the Q&A episode tomorrow morning, and then it is on to Iowa State. So we'll have uh, the traditional game preview. We'll have the Thursday whip around, and we will have the live show. The live show will be happening 7 p.m. on Spotify Live. All right, check out Manhattan Brewing Company. Send me all the pictures. Send me all the cans. They have great can work. Great can work at Manhattan Brewing Company. Their brewery also is elite. Stop in their brewery and tap room. Tell them Bosco's Boys sent you. Take a picture. Find the picture of the secret Bosco's Boys sticker inside of the brewery. Check out Charlie Hustle. All sorts of great stuff over there, including their throwback vintage black K-State football shirt. Ooh, chef kiss. Absolutely love it. And keep an eye on Twitter. Again, I've been teasing it for a little bit. I just want to make sure all the T's are crossed, I's are dot, before we do a very big... 
you guys will be annoyed with me on Twitter. Uh, but some big things if we can hit some numbers on one of our new sponsors coming up here soon. So that is all we got. For every single person who rocks with K-State football, for my co-host, Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup, we love you guys and go Cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you wanna be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Podcast Network.